Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodities strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first uh, Credit Crunch podcast of this year. This is Mahesh Bhimalingam, your uh, your host, Chief European Credit Strategist at Bloomberg Intelligence. As you know, uh, Credit Crunch is part of the FICC uh, podcast umbrella, and uh, Bloomberg Intelligence is the research arm of Bloomberg, probably the largest independent, largest research franchise, and also independent. Uh, along with me, we have Hema Patel, uh, my credit strategy associate, and today's guest, Paul Mehta, global head of loans, and he's also a high yield portfolio manager at Aberdeen Standard. Welcome, Paul. Hello, Mahesh. Hi, hello, Hema. Hello to the audience. Delighted to be here. So, I mean, for people who are regular followers, we've had Paul last year in uh, 2023, Jan. We did a leverage loan outlook. And we thought it'll be good to have a repeat. So today, uh, the topic is leverage loan and CLO outlook 2024. So, Paul, where are leverage loans now? Uh, you know, let's talk about the past, I think, as a start so that uh, we can give a good picture of uh, where we can go uh, later on. So what? where are loans now price-wise? And what do both of us think? And for, by the way, for the purpose of our listeners, we published our leverage loan outlook uh, 2024. Uh, there was one version at the end of the year in uh, December first week. We updated it with end of the end of the year numbers and a revised outlook in the second week of Jan. Uh, so any numbers that I'm going to quote, now uh, you guys can uh, pick it up from uh, that publication. Paul. So um, the loan market, like lots of um, risk assets last year, had a, a very strong year overall, stronger than probably most people forecasted, and, and, and probably quite a lot of us didn't get to, to the points and levels that it got to. Um, it delivered over 13% so to return, which is very strong. In terms of spreads, ended up about 500 over, and so that's getting into a yield about 9%, which is pretty compelling. I don't think anyone really forecast that. Partly to do with the backdrop of more benign macroeconomic environment than the start of the year. Um, obviously, loans takes some benefit from rate moves upwards. And we can talk about how that might travel through 2024. So very strong year. Um, so if we look to this year, um, so 13%, over 30% last year. This year, we're thinking kind of 7 to 8% total return. How do we get there? I think it's, uh, if we break it out a little bit, you're talking about 5% in terms of coupon. Um, spreads may be widen a touch from the 500 I mentioned, like 10, 20 basis points. Risk-free rate, uh, probably about 3%. Um, and then you probably have a bit of negative from some small default losses, but we think actually price appreciation from where the market is at the moment. So it's probably 96 bid on average in the index probably gets up to 97 maybe a little bit yeah more than that so i uh, i think i think that's the first thing how much price appreciation do we see uh before we get to the carry part i think given that we've hit 96 by the end of the year now we have a published view that 
you know, in terms of price, you may not see as much of a humongous upside in loans as you can see in some of the bond asset classes, whether it is investment grade or rates or even high yield. Uh, so we have a published view that it will probably get to about 97. Do you agree? I do. I mean, that's only kind of getting back to what we were in 2020, 21. Um, I think CLO creation, which again, we'll go on to a little bit uh, later, which is effective inflows for for the leverage loan market will be better than last year. Probably not kind of record breaking, but about kind of long term average. So that will drive uh, the index higher. And so, yeah, I think probably a little bit I think probably 97 and a half or 97 and a quarter, 97 and a half in terms of where it is. So a point plus from where it is right now. Hmm. So that we, with that sort of a price view, uh, given the, given that the carry is the key component, one thing that we would like to mention to our listeners is in a rate cut environment, you're going to have your carry drop over time. This is the only asset class in our world which has this dynamic. So if you look at what happens to investment grade or uh, you know high yield or rates, fixed coupons, and as a result, you know when rates go down, yes, it all depends on duration, uh, but it inevitably pulls the whole yield curve down, curve bull steepens, the front end tends to benefit more, which really benefits credit because investment grade is you know near the five year junk is near the three year so both of those are going to get a pretty hefty duration component to their returns leverage loans interestingly because they are euribor plus the quoted margin euribor hit a peak last year so we hit like near four percent it was about 3.93 i think towards the end of the year yeah so with with that four percent initial carry you start very well but of concern, and it's not really a concern, but the point is investors should note that your carry is going to drop once the ECB starts cutting. It doesn't go by implied forward uh, cuts because uh, you don't have a, it's not an yield product. It's a straight rate product. And as a result, only when the ECB cuts, you will have an impact. Before the cuts, it nothing, oh, Unlike bonds, there is not going to be an implicit, uh, you know, before the event yeah. uh, impact on you. So we are thinking, you know, given that the ECB is forecasted to do like a, you know, four to five rate cuts, if you take an average Euribor, you're still looking at, you know, uh, three, three to three and a half. Uh, and so despite the cut, I would believe that loan carry still overshadows high yield carry. You agree? I would agree with that. Um, I think on on the risk free rate, we're probably a little bit more conservative on on the number of rate cuts that the market's pricing at the moment. Here, you know, maybe three UK, uh, three and um, US, maybe not six, but something like four. But as you say, that direction of travel is is pretty set. I think universally agreed. But you still get to a if you're sticking to Eurobor, a kind of three percent risk free rate, um, which makes with the the spreads, the carry at 5% gets you to a very attractive um, yield. I think what it does, as you rightly say, obviously it takes away from some of the return from loans, but obviously it put less pressure on the fundamentals in the borrower. So 
if you look at fundamentals at the moment in European leverage loans, they're okay. You know, interest cover has come down from four and a half times if if we when we did this podcast last year, and it's now about two and a half times. So that's manageable. You know, we've had a steep rate hiking cycle. Um, anything generically, I think, for the market inside of two times would start to have investors kind of uh, a little bit concerned. So we're at two and a half. So the rate cuts obviously will ease that burden on issuers. So fundamentals, we think it it kind of settles down here at two and a half on interest cover. This is pure loan issuers. Pure 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 loan issuers or or issuers. Some that of have, them might have some bonds. Yeah, might have a mix of. So fixed. so just for just to map it onto high yield. I mean, we do have. Uh, bond index fundamentals that we publish on and if you look at it in the high yield world now leverage has only crept up by like one decimal point in the last uh, two quarters uh coverage has held up actually uh because most of these bond uh, issuing junk issuers may not have loans i think most of them do not have leverage loans on them uh while some of leverage loan issuers may have may have bonds but bulk of bulk of high yield i think now doesn't have leverage loans sitting on them quite a few fallen angels right yeah. so yeah. and you know there's elements some some people would hedge i think in terms of sticking to kind of fundamentals you know leverage generically in in loans is about five times so i know that's higher than than high yield yep if you look at the economy that's total leverage total leverage yeah, yeah. I think um, we don't think there'll be a soft or a hard landing. We think it will be somewhat of a kind of rolling, uneven sort of slowdown. So you'll have to be conscious on set for different sectors entering maybe recession-like uh, conditions. But we don't think it's going to be a quarter on quarter. All, all things move down and then all things move up. Yeah, once again, for the purpose of our listeners, if you map the high yield index, non-financial, so pure corporates, I think we are looking at about 3.8, 3.8 in terms of leverage, uh, and that has just just trickled up from 3.6 during the year. So it's not like we've had a massive leverage take up, but loan leverage is definitely more than uh, junk index leverage. I think that's one point we more we would like to point out. Yeah, to and, our listeners, and I think that translates through to ratings, uh, Mahesh. So loans generally the index is rated about two notches below high yield high yield tends to face larger cap issuers um and i think actually that is probably the major concern i would have for loans in 2024 is ratings downward migration mm. which could happen i think we think if it's going to happen to any materiality it's going to happen in the second half of the year after kind of maybe some of the slower growth feeds through to earnings so for for the, our listeners, one key development in the last two last quarter and maybe in the last quarter and a half, I would say, is that high yield ratings have started slipping already. And if that means I would it would imply that leverage loan ratings, I mean, we don't have like a quantum indicator on, on the leverage loan ratings. In high yield, we do. Now, so if you look at the upgrade downgrade ratio, there are definitely a lot more downgrades than upgrades. So three is to two uh, in terms of numbers. So that downward slippage is already being seen in the sort of public bond market, right? Uh, despite, a, despite a lot of XIG names in it, 
So I'm not surprised that uh, leverage loan uh, numbers will keep, uh, you know, ratings will keep going down. On the topic of ratings, I had a client uh, question saying that, you know, Mahesh, when you do bond versus loan real well, you can't do raw. So you can't just say, oh, loans pay you a lot more. I think that's a very valid point. Loans pay you a lot more because of them being much lower rated. So raw index wise, given that we are talking about return forecast and so on, raw index wise, loans pay you about, you know, 130, 140 more yield wise. But once you correct it for single B, because loans is bulk single B, uh, and in high yield, if you take the single B non-fin component, the gap is about 1%, yield to yield. Um, so people would say maybe you're getting paid a little bit for illiquidity in loans. I would yep. argue actually probably comparable liquidity, but that be, could be one argument. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think people don't, we, we obviously it's its closest sister, cousin, whatever, you know, loans to high yield, obviously. Um, but generically, you know, loans is a senior secured, bonds are unsecured. So that's another thing that you're not, we're not really comparing like for like, um, but it's the closest way to do it. I think the other thing, a lot of uh, listers and investors mine this year will be on geopolitics. And um, one thing, pleasing thing that loans has in uh, facing that this year is it tends to be much less buffeted by geopolitics. So that's for a number of reasons. One is the CLO cohort, which is a large, uh, is the bedrock of the investor base for leveraged loans. So that's locked up money. It's not day on day or month on month money. Um, and also it's just always been that, you know, more idiosyncratic. It's more on how the credits perform and that's the way investors look through it um, and less buffeted by rates as we talked about earlier. So I think if that I would think is probably quite high on most people's most investors' agendas this year, and loans will be a bit more dampened from that perspective. I think whole of European credit in general is less geopolitically sensitive now, given that we've already taken a hit from uh, the you know Putin's invasion of Ukraine, because we don't have uh, oil-sensitive uh, names. I mean, Europe in general obviously is a net importer. So as a result, we've taken that inflation hit in 2022 and 2023. Now, most of it is reversing. So oil is expected to drop as we go further and further down the line. Uh, inflation is expected to drop. So I am thinking that in 2024, uh, Europe will see a reversal of what we had in 2022. We took a big hit in 2022. European credit, because it is a net importer, uh, we paid the penalty, unlike the US. US high yield has about 20% oil slash oil related credits. We have about 2%. I agree. I agree. But I guess, I guess you know, we're always looking to be able to map and obviously hence this podcast. And one thing is, you know, we really don't know. Even events in the last 10 days could have drive oil and supply chains uh, yep. might might kind of mirror some of what happened last year. But I totally agree. And I think from an economic perspective, we are more positive on Europe this year vis-a-vis -vis the US. Obviously, the yep. US outperformed Europe. Same here in, uh, in BI. I know my US colleagues tend to be a bit more bearish. I tend to be uh, painting a lot more, lot more uh, rosier picture for credit. Uh, we were right last year. Uh, we had an extraordinary year. I mean, I wasn't bullish enough 
as you must have heard from my podcast um the this year i think we probably we are trying to be where really it could have been like last year in in the sense of fully stretching our view uh as uh, paul has just pointed out we are sort of looking at like 8% in in loans more importantly in high yield we are thinking of 6% Yep. last year we had a published view of about uh, 5ish percent on high yield and it's done a ridiculous like 12 so uh i think this year we have more chance of to be quite bang on yeah our us folks have a quite a negative view on us high yield particularly now they are talking like you know under 5% sort of return yeah i think you know in the us uh high yield and loans the structures tend to be more aggressive so that's one thing and actually maybe goes to kind of bringing up a point about defaults you know defaults in loans we think in europe will be slightly higher than than high yield i think for high yield um i grant kind of what do you see right now see this is one thing where we have data i mean i'll talk about it what you know from other data sources you know we tend not to have access to them from other data sources what sort of loan default rates are you seeing now where was it at the end of 2022 and where is it now yeah so the actual default at the moment level is 1.6 okay for european leverage loans we think that goes to maybe 2.6 2.7 and the source is what as s&p lcd yeah okay um but if you look at the street the range is very wide and if you go back to like you're saying 2022 i think people were I mean some people were saying high single digits in terms of leverage loans. I think they saw the rate hikes, they saw where it sat from a ratings perspective. They were worried about some of the smaller cap issuers. Hmm. What in reality has happened is sorry to kind of bring up the the, the sentence but post covid a lot of issuers and FDs were very proactive about um treasury management, cash management, hmm. refinancing particularly in loans more than bonds I'd say. They kind of extended their maturities. um maybe hedge some of their floating rate risk so actually they're in a much better position than i think most market observers uh, felt at the end of uh, 22 and into 23 and obviously 2022 was a horrible year for most risk assets i think yes. people people felt very bad i mean loan, loans were the best by the way yeah. in that massacre i think loans did quite well so the us was only slightly negative and yeah. europe was only negative uh, 3% in 2022 uh, yeah. yeah so i think you know what has been interesting if we were having this conversation 6 weeks ago actually people would still be would be more negative on defaults for loans in 24 and they would have probably bonds beating loans so the the rally that um a lot of fixed coupon at risk products have had in the last 6 weeks has kind of flipped that on its head slightly so i think you know the range um now is as we're saying we're rounding about 2 and a half for this year but the range defaults. is defaults yeah the, the range is from 2 to i've seen up to 5% hmm. what we think is a more timely pulse mahesh is um the distressed index so what trades um in a range below 80 so if you look at that back loans, loans this is loans only yeah hmm. so if you look at that currently it's 2% so 2% of the index trades below 80 at the end of 22 it was almost 7%. Um so we think that goes up. Obviously that's not a straight line to default but that gives you a bit more timely pulse. And the reason I say that is the loan market is a coflight market. So whereas you would have quarter on quarter test on EBITDA and it uh, it would trigger and it default you don't have that. So we see the pinch point for default actually more um in 25. 
and we see a much heavier bifurcation in the market. So it's very closely narrow range at the moment uh, that where credits are trading and, and the way they're behaving. And we think that really spreads out this year yeah. significantly. That's quite interesting, by the way. At 1.6% defaults, uh, the market is showing 2% stress, I would call, under 80. Yeah. Or maybe in the loan market, the definition should be different because uh, it's senior secured. Yeah. So 80 is probably distressed. So to give you an idea, so from the Bloomberg database, we are seeing about like 0 0.35, 0.4% loan default rate. It's probably an under uh, underestimate. But what we are certainly sure of is the high yield default rate. The high yield default rate we track every month in our monthlies. So high yield index default rate is running about 0.8% now. So I struggle to see how you're going to get to like these 3s and 4% of default rate. I mean, 4% default rate on a 350 billion market is about, is about what? 14 billion par. Yeah. I don't know. I, I struggle to see that. I, I, I would I would agree. And and also on the stress distress, if you look at what the high yield market is showing you now, uh, I mean, because we have defined under 18 loans as distress in bonds, it is under 60 as distress, uh, but 60 to 80, we call it as stress. So let's add, add them all up. So if you look at all the stress plus distress in high yield, it is dropped about 10% now. The distress part is about four and a half. That that is being so. There are some dodgy names which continue to stay dodgy. They don't yeah, go down. Yeah. Uh, that that number doesn't go down. But what is stressed is really coming down. So ten percent in high yield, two percent in loans. I struggle to see you know very high default rate. So your two percent in on that yeah. data series that you see is probably going to be likely. And in terms of index default rate in high yield, we predict one. So yeah. point eight. So basically, we have a list of candidates in uh, in the in the high yield market. If all the candidates default today, you're going to end up with two point zero five percent. We predict about half of them will go. Yeah. So you, you get to like one. I think one thing that's valid for loans when we're talking about defaults is um, recovery levels. So when something uh, credit defaults, the you know traditionally it's been seventy percent. Um, we think that will be lower. You have more um, software companies, uh, more intangibles, more like asset like companies. So that is true. The defaults will go up and the recoveries will be lower, but we think it's it's totally manageable. And and we as I said, you know, I think it's about um, eighty plus percent of the index trades between ninety five and par in the loan index. Mm -hmm. So we think that significantly changes and the tails are very thin and it'll become much more dispersed. Right. So uh, before we move on to the next section, quick summary. We believe that both of us believe that loans will beat high yield. We believe seven to eight percent returns. I mean, we are at eight, and I think Paul has mentioned like you know seven to eight percent. So seven to eight percent returns, uh, despite carry potentially dropping towards the second half. I think that initial carry is quite sizable. So with that, we move on to the supply section. Okay. So I mean, I think in terms of supply, Mahesh, what what are you thinking? Leverage finance across the piece, what sort of volumes and maybe characteristics you see in terms right. of supply? So, you know, 2023 uh, hasn't been great for leverage finance in general in terms of supply, right? Why? It's not like we had any major credit issues. 
is because we have funding cost issue way too high. I mean, if you look at in the last six, seven year history is the worst it has ever been, right? The worst. Uh, in the high yield market, we, we track what is called a refinancing premium. So it's the difference between your existing bond coupon, yeah. that's what you are paying, versus what you would pay on a new bond coupon. That went to like about 4.3, 4.4%. Ridiculous number. Uh, it has now dropped to about, you know, 2.2, 2.3. Right? So it's getting better as we head into 2024. So we believe that 2024 is going to see its decent uptick in terms of leverage finance supply. Now, let me run through the numbers. So in terms of leverage loans, we saw about 42 billion in gross leverage loan supply. Uh, we believe that you're going to get about 55 billion in 2024. In, in comparison, in high yield, we saw about 56 billion in uh, gross index eligible high yield supply. But we believe we are going to get to about 80. Why? Because the benefit of lower costs is going to show up more in high yield than in leverage loan. Because as I just mentioned, your high initial carry, which is suits the investor, doesn't suit the issuer. Yeah. So you're not going to get this rampant supply increase that high yield is going to see. So that's part one. But of more interest is what is net supply? This is what the investor cares, right? Uh, if it is just a refi, whether it is in bond or loan, it's not necessarily new supply. So in terms of new, genuine net supply, how much it has been? So if you look at if you look at the loan market, loan new supply has been about 34, where netting of repricings and refi. The problem in the high yield market is, we despite the 56 billion gross, given the maturity wall, given that uh, you know you saw a lot of rising stars. The index shrank by nearly 40 billion. No, not nearly. More than 40 billion. 41 billion negative net supply. So, in terms of net supply, the loan market did all right compared to high yield. Uh, and I think it will be the same case next year. Even though the raw numbers, the gross numbers look lower, the net numbers in loans will still beat high yield. Yes, high yield will swing from negative 40 to we are predicting about plus 20-ish. Uh, but high yield from uh, 34, it'll probably get to like, you know, 40, 45. So the loan overall portfolio, the amount outstanding will actually see a greater increase than high yield. That, that makes sense to me. I think um, there's a lot more nearer term maturities for high yield. So they need, need to come forth and they probably were waiting for funding costs. That's because they didn't issue in 2023. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You see, that's the problem. Uh, and, you know, arguably loans, it's a little bit easier to push your maturities. Lots of A&Es are happening for the, for the, you know, amend and extend. You basically push your maturity two years, you get paid a fee uh, and you live to kind of fight another day. Um, it, it's more, it's more um, a clean down really in the high yield in terms of the way you would do that so i think that has definitely i agree with the kind of characteristics i think structures also will be a little bit more conservative than they have been um good point so, we are coming to covenant so so equity checks probably around 40 percent total leverage no more than five times obviously there's regulation involved in certain jurisdictions where banks can't underwrite more than that anyway or they have to kind of flag it if they are um and in terms of covenants as you brought it up, Kovlite issuance is, is has been very high. 
um, in recent just, years. Just, just to put a number, when things are okay in terms of market sentiment-wise, you tend to get very bad covenant-like numbers. So like 95% plus, Europe is a, essentially a covenant-like market. But because of the reversal in 2022 and 2023, we saw covenant-like numbers drop. So they're like about 83% now. I believe that it, that given that things are going to be better, means insurers will take issuers and bankers will take advantage. We're going to hit ninety percent again. I, I agree. Year. I agree. I think I kind of give the the tough love statement that unfortunately it's not going to go back to a majority covenanted market. Um, it's just the way it is now. Now that's obviously not good as an investor, but what it has done is probably brought more issuers into the loan market, and the loan market has grown substantially in Europe. So you could argue, fine, I don't have the covenants, but I should be doing my credit work anyway. But you have a wider credit selection uh, menu in terms of issuers. Um, and it's kind of how the US market has been for you know 20 plus years. Which is probably why I think that explains 2022 and 23 growth in loan market, right? Uh, even though, even though, you know, conditions were very difficult elsewhere, loan markets saw positive net supply both years. In junk, you had a minus 30 in 2022, a negative, negative net supply, and you had a minus 40. Uh, so they've become bond substitutes, isn't it? Yeah. When you got when you got no maintenance covenants, you're essentially a bond. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, you yeah. are senior secured. I, I give you that. But then you don't have a bond underneath anyway. So it, exactly, and so for issuers or a private equity sponsor, it, it's they always look at the menu, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. But private credit is now in that menu pick um, of what best suits you at that point. And most issuers, frankly, actually have a variation, definitely of of lev loans and high yield, and maybe a bit of private credit. Now, as you mentioned, private credit, how much of how much of private lending are you seeing? in loan format and is it eating away at the syndicated loan market short answer is yes um i think it's a good thing really uh, and that might sound odd given you know what i do for a, for a day job but i think it's a good healthy discipline within the market because quite often uh borrowers or issuers or sponsors will go to private credit because they feel its speed of execution uh, uh, ease of dialogue with the the investors and these pockets of capital can facilitate that i think what will happen so it is definitely affecting um issuance in leverage loans and actually high yield as well and it may be that as i said a minute ago it may be that you have a uh, all three it doesn't mean you're mutually exclusive one or the other obviously loans and high yield interplays all the time but also private credit it may mean you have a liquidity need or you have a project that you need something and so you go there um there's been a lot of doesn't the issuer need to pay for the joy yeah so they'll they'll pay they'll pay up but because you don't have the core protection you'd have in bonds you might have done something in January 23 that now you can refinance in the bond market or the leveraged loan market. So it gives you, and this has probably helped, quote unquote, with uh, defaults remaining low in terms of there's another pool of capital now available to borrowers. Do you think Do you think private credit is coming in at the, I'm sure they're not coming in at the double B level because the double Bs can do bonds at will uh, or if not, they can do the loans. 
it's probably single B or triple C, isn't it? Probably more there or subordinated in, in a capital structure. So, yeah, not at the top of the stack. Um, and you obviously you are paying for the convenience and it's relatively liquid. So investors would demand an illiquidity. How much, how much do you think they're paying up, paying up for this joy? I mean, obviously, it's case by case, but I think just... For a, for a single B, let's say there is a single B company which can put in the effort and probably issue in the syndicated loan market, you know, so Eurobar plus 520, probably, right? Given today's conditions. Yeah. How much do you think they're paying up? Generally, I'd say 200 basis points. Oh, my God. So, why? Because... Is the... Is the is that uh, is that pain of going through regular reporting and the process of syndication? Yeah, I mean the such a deterrent. Well, the, 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 I guess the windows over the last actually probably I was going to say two three years probably five years in ability to issue in the market have become smaller, more more frenetic in mm. in loans and high yield. Mm. So if you're 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 trying to manage your capital markets process, you think fine, I'm talking to four private credit people, they're not going to be so concerned with what's happening in the Middle East or, or Eastern Europe. They'll be there. There might be some flex on the pricing. That's quite attractive. So I think they're happy to pay up for it. But where there has tends to be only private credit is the smaller cap, the unrated, smaller business. Or the badly rated. Or the badly rated. So, so Which means, which means in, for those credits, we're not talking 200. We're probably talking 400, 500. Correct. Correct. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. So, so you know, there's been a lot of conjecture that maybe the the private credit cohort isn't as healthy as loans and high yield, as we mentioned. They're facing different uh, type of counterparties, but I, I I don't really see that. I mean, there probably will be some buffers because they'll have less liquidity levers, smaller cap businesses. I think there'll be more regulation in private credit as it's become a 1.5 trillion market. That's almost pretty much loans now. So the regulators in the US, Europe, UK want to know... 1.5 trillion in Europe already. 1.5 trillion globally. Oh, globally. Yeah. That's small. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's still a sizable... A bulk of it is in the US, of course. Yeah. So we, so... Need a, we need an index on these guys so that we can track. Because otherwise it's become like a product. Oh, yeah. It's great for the issuer. You pay up and then you get funding. What's happening to it? Can somebody else buy it? Well, I, I guess if... You if, can't, no, isn't it? No, like, no. And if someone was sitting here who does private credit day in, day out... I mean, that say, was my last podcast guest. Fine. So so he would say, look, it's the clues in the name. It's private credit. But I agree. I, I think, frankly, there will be more observability because it will be driven by regulation. There, there, will, be, there will be a forced element. So have, you, have you ever seen like uh, a, a private loan pass hands? Uh, there are, yeah, there is a, there is a, a, a liquidity in that. Yes, there is, there is, but it's, it's frequent and it wouldn't be observed. It so, wouldn't be observed. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So, so it's just between the two kinds of parties. As a, as a public market guy, strategist, I tend to be a bit skeptical <laughs> when things go under the radar. Well, yeah, a lack of, and, that, and that's, that's a regulator's point. Yeah. It's not that I'm saying yeah. that your cohort is unhealthy. It's just, I can't observe it. So what yeah. do I do? So obviously, so the, just on private credit, one thing that's been talked about recently is maybe a private CLO. What does that mean? That means exactly the transaction. Yeah, we'll come to the CLO market. In, yeah. in, in the CLO format. So uh, essentially I, the CLO is sourcing 
private loans Correct. from holders. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. I think there may be an element that some of these... It seems it is, by the way. Uh, the, from the previous podcast, you know, as a private credit investor, he was saying that there are already CLOs, not exclusive. Yes, this is what It's not say. exclusive, but a certain portion of yeah. a CLO pool will be in, in private credit. I have, uh, we have... But which means then you're going to have issue in terms of CLO number tracking, isn't it? Because these guys won't throw out any numbers. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're invested in, but you would obviously you would need some sort of mark to market on a monthly basis. Yeah, no, and also in terms of you know what is your rating? Well, you, because CLO metrics need to match certain criteria, right? Like, like like lots of things in finance and life, it's a balance. If they want to have that liquidity or that additional AUM facing that product, they're going to have to give up something, which would be maybe private rating, observability, yeah. mark to market, those things. So I, I, but I agree with that. I think it will probably be a cohort of existing CLOs. And obviously when they're in those portfolios, they just have to be very conscious that you're holding that to maturity. I think that is why from my previous podcast, he made another point. They don't want to grow too much in size. Yeah. They want it to be small enough that it it's easier to run through uh, run under the radar, uh, not cause uh, too much of a market impact while being able to service that issuer. I, I don't think any private credit specialist would want to be too big. No, if you understand what I mean, it probably is not an AUM game, unlike you know typical bond in. Uh, bond portfolio manager. I, I I would definitely track with that strategy if I was doing that sort of uh, product um, more exclusively. I think although a lot of the big private equity firms are saying they're tilting from private equity much more into private credit, so I think that'll be interesting to see um, in terms of whether whether that comes through. So I think there will be AUM growth. In terms of ESG in loans, have you seen any sort of ESG movement? You know, just to give our listeners an idea, in high yield, it is not much of a big deal at all in general. I mean, there are probably one or two ESG funds. It's very small. And uh, the high yield funds generally do not have any sort of ESG mandates built in. What do you think? Uh, and do you have any ESG requirement in your own fund? We, we do. And I would say, look, there's been maybe a bit of a reevaluation of what's labeled ESG or green in 2023. I think a lot of people felt it was um, obviously all the attributes of ESG, but also would deliver good performance. And that's a, a mixed picture at this point, should we say. So the viewpoint is slightly changing. For loans, um, we're much more, if I'd use the word authentic about it, By the, what do I mean by that? So in loans, there's probably about 30% of the European loan market has ESG KPI margin ratchets are tested quarter on quarter, a little bit like maintenance covenants. And there's nothing like getting uh, an issuer aligned on an ESG basis than saying it's going to affect your cost of capital, which it is. Mm. So the plus minus, it, it might be seven and a half basis points, it might be 10 basis points, but about that range, if you're paying 500 over, that's a material swing for you. So mm. they are focusing on that. Um, and so that's a very timely and 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 really uh, a, a metric that has um, real teeth to it. So that's been in the market, the loan market, for probably a couple of years now, and it's creeped up to thirty percent. Basically, every new loan deal has that in. Yeah. So, in terms of uh, in terms of ESG, 
do your own investors care about it? Absolutely. Yeah, they do. Um, I think it's moved on from do you care to how are you caring, as in what engagement do you have with the management, with the business? Do you have teeth on what you're doing or is it just a labeling? So mm-hmm. it's moved to, to definitely a more integrated and more uh, enveloped uh, and deeper uh, analysis of that. We, like lots of investors, would say it was always part of your risk spectrum analysis because, you know, if there's environmental liabilities you need to be conscious of, it's good to obviously be environmentally conscious, but also it might affect you from a regulation or a, or how you're running a business. They do. And actually, one thing that's always been labelled at high yield as well as loans is disclosure, because generally we're owned by private sponsors, private equity sponsors, and they haven't always been as quick to the party as uh, publicly quoted entities. When you speak to private equity firms, they said their LPs ask them the same question. So it's improved exponentially, I think, over the last two, three years. Um, and as I was saying earlier, in in loans, we have these kind of KPIs on a quarterly basis. So I think it's a very pleasing and authentic uh, part of the market that um, loans isn't always known for being the most innovative, but I would say it is being quite uh, tailored at this point and quite um, progressive. With that, we come to the last section of this podcast, CLOs and their impact on and their impact on the leverage loan market. So I think, you know, Stepping back to 2023, I think you mentioned it, Mahesh, in terms of issuance was okay at 26 billion, which is just over the long term average. Um, there was quite a few debut issues, I think seven or eight, uh, which is pleasing to see. I think it's, you know, uh, it is an effective inflow for the loan market. This is our this is our inflow outflow essentially. In terms of where we think for for this year, um, we think a range of kind of 30 to 35 billion. Um, what really drives this is obviously the structure in terms of pricing of uh, the weighted average cost of capital. But the real big driver is the ability to have more loans, so loan issuance. So I think it kind of goes hand in hand. So to put numbers to that, uh, I think I mentioned that there we have this genuine new loan supply, like loan net supply. So if we said that Loan net supply was about, you know, 34, 35 billion. CLOs, as you said, were about 26 billion. You know, the take up of loans of net loan supply is actually below typical uh, CLO percentage. In good years, it tends to be like, you know, 90% plus. So last year was below. Why? Uh, Because the ARB has been significantly coming down. So when I say the ARB, there are two ARBs, which is, you know, coupon minus coupon. Uh, but then uh, nowadays with loans trading under par, you need to have the full ARB. And if you look at the full ARB, that has come down by about 100 basis points from above, above 3% to now just barely above 2%. Uh, tranche spreads have barely budged. In this humongous rally, weighted average cost of capital of CLOs has come down by just 30 bips. Yeah. I think there's a lot more to go there. So with with this with current arm, I believe that not given our view about credit markets, general fixed income markets, you should expect a lot more CLO to print. I don't think you're going to get this lot more CLO because of this ARP problem. Uh, so we do believe that it will probably print about the 30, 32 ish billion next year. Uh, their take up of 
net loan supply is probably going to be in the 80s percent uh, not 90s as it was before because to less of there will still be a lot of demand for this yield year product particularly in the higher ratings right so the triple a still pays you uh, quite quite a lot compared to anything in the bond market right Agre agreed you know so i think even that's come in again if we've done this three weeks ago so i think it was 177 kind of you know if you're talking about right at the end of last year correct it's now 150 i think already in jan or, you think or, it's come down by 20 yeah so new so, new triple a is 20 tighter yeah and, wow. and and I think that that is a driver, you know, see, you know that's the majority of the capital structure yes. on the liability yes. side. So that is a driver of issuance. And as you rightly said, the net loan issuance, the big quandary here is the equity placement. You know, that's that's been a yeah. difficulty in 2023. Yeah. But some of this is timing effect. And, you know, in terms of flow of capital into loans, it's slower than high yield because we don't have daily liquidity, particularly in Europe. And then structured credit also tends to. So it's some of its timing. So I think it will tighten, as, as you say, um, as we go through. Yeah, the equity placement is a direct function of how much RB you offer, right? Uh, and assuming very low defaults. And as the ARB comes down, you're going to have a struggle in placing your uh, equity. So at 200 is just, at just 200 gap. No, they will they will the equity guys bite the bullet? Yes, they will if conditions are pretty rosy. I mean, given our view in the first first part of the podcast, we do believe that defaults are going to be contained. But in case the picture worsens, the two hundred is not going to be enough. And uh, that is the magic number. Two hundred is seems to be the ARB magic number. And as you rightly said, you know, a lot of last year it was an inside of that. One interesting thing. Uh, Mahesh is a lot of the CLOs are coming out of their reinvestment period yeah yep. and so aren't able to participate in some of the new issue that we talked about so this is a frankly it's a perennial quandary for the loan market it, it, it's something to be conscious of if we have the issuance that we're talking about in European CLOs it shouldn't matter for the 2026 wall that is there in um, uh, in Lev loans our listeners should be should be aware that reinvestment is quite critical for both the loan market functioning as well as for the health of your existing CLO. Because once the CLOs come out of reinvestment, your AAA factor, principal factor, in terms of how much of your AAA is probably going to get hit from credit events in the future, that number deteriorates quite quickly once you come out of uh, reinvestment. So reinvestment is quite key. So we we in our CLO quarterly we we run we we publish regularly the the reinvestment numbers, and we can say we can confirm that there is about eight billion in the first quarter of two thousand twenty four, about twenty seven and a half in the whole of two thousand twenty four. Uh, that's twenty four deals coming out of reinvestment in Q one, seventy seven deals coming out of reinvestment in 2024. Is it going to get better in 2025? No, numbers are similar. So in 2025, 30 billion is getting out of reinvestment, about 78 deals. As I said, more deals coming out means you're going to have uh, AAA factors uh, get affected. And also, they're not going to be reinvesting in the loan market, as you just mentioned. Yeah, so I, I think it is something to be conscious of. Generally, the market has solved it historically. 
And I think there is some documentation flex that should mean we're fine. But um, yeah, it's just something to be conscious of, I think, as an investor base. Any last minute topics that you would like to bring up, Paul? I think one thing, um, it's a buzzword, uh, but AI, I think it's a deflationary thing probably for the world as that kind of gets into more business models. But I think I was noticing, you know, 8% of the level O market in Europe now has software services business, which mm, will, yep. okay, we're not going to have the effect that it's had on, on, on you know, the Magnificent Seven and equities, etc., but I think it will be a very positive effect and it could help temper uh, inflation. So I, I think that's probably something worth. worth and, and as we have mentioned, these guys make it into the CLO pool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Given that given that the CLO pool is about 200 billion out of the whole of leverage loan market, which is about 350 billion. Yeah. Right. So 8% of it is going to make into the CLOs too. Yeah. And I think, you know, the final, final thing I'd say, just in terms of my thoughts, you know, we talked at the top of the conversation about geopolitical risk, you know, you know, the stats, you know, 40 elections in, you know, 40% of the world's GDP, over 40% of the population voting, you know, loans, I think will be a lot more buffeted. So it's a bit more visible return. Yep, I agree with that. Now, that brings us to the final, final part of the podcast, which is rapid fire. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. You have to answer it immediately instantly <laughs> so rates or credit for 2024 credit investment grade or high yield investment grade long duration right uh high yield or loans loans uh us or europe credit europe europe uh clo or clo triple a or leverage loan average Ooh. CLO, AAA. CLO, risk adjusted. <laughs> yeah, okay. risk adjusted, yeah. Yeah. That brings... Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. That brings us to the end of this podcast. So for the benefit of everyone, please visit BISTRTE, our uh, credit strategy dashboard for leverage loan research, uh, CLO research, leverage loan proprietary data, CLO proprietary data. Obviously, in addition to that, we've got a, a treasure trove of investment grade and high yield. Uh, data as well and and research all the 2024 outlooks are also on the dashboard in addition to various favorite topics like default views rising star fallen angel views uh, liquidity so on and so forth uh, any questions please come back to me or Hema and uh, thank you Paul and next month we are going to be back with you guys with our high yield investor survey Q124 podcast which is a quarterly recurrence uh, with George thank you all <laughs>